humans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more, and there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. You know, there's absolutely no way of sugarcoating what I'm going to talk about for at least the first part of this show today. I am just so completely done with something that hasn't even happened yet, but I am just completely done with it. And what I'm talking about is the future. Now, I want to say this. I'm very, very conflicted over what I'm going to share with you. Because on one hand, I love my technology. You know, I love my cell phone. I love smart TVs. I love getting into a car that can drive itself. That's pretty cool. But there are places where technology is being integrated. And I just wonder, do we really need it? And is it, in a way, going against the grain of the thing that it's supposed to be helping. I'm going to come back to this in a second. But I was amused at three o'clock this morning when I woke up and I looked at the news and there this morning, like every day, 10 times a day, 100 times a day, is a story about Elon Musk, except now all the stories are about Elon and Twitter And you know what? Elon was really a hero of mine for a while. I used to love the guy, but now he's gone completely bananas, I think, and he's running through Twitter with a saber. And the reason I even bring this up is it it ties into what I'm talking about when we speak of the future. That if you go back 15, 20 years ago, there was no Twitter to be worried about or at least these platforms were in their infancy, and they didn't matter too much to us. But now today, they have become so, so important. And I think we just create our own headaches sometimes, and we degrade our quality of living by trying to make it better. And certainly in the area of wine, I think that is sometimes true. Now, let me just tell you about a release that was dropped in my lap. It comes from Cornell University, and they are in upstate New York. And by the way, I love the wines of upstate New York. And yes, I'm going to tie this back into wine, of course. But anyway, the scientists at Cornell University have invented these autonomous robots that they claim help to modernize grape and the wine industry. And yes, that's what it says. Modernize grape and the wine industry. Anyway, this is how they start out their press release. They say, next spring, a small army of Cornell-developed 
phytopathlobots, or PPBs, will be deployed to grape breeding programs across the United States on a mission to guide, listen to this, to guide the global grape and wine industry into the 21st century. What? You're going to guide the wine industry into the 21st century? Excuse me? You know, first of all, I think we're already there. And second of all, one of the things that is most wonderful about wine is its heritage, its deep roots and tradition. And I love that I live in a place here in Italy where if I go and I visit a winery, they still have really old-fashioned presses, and they still do so much by hand. And guess what? Those wines are super yummy. They're delicious. But anyway, the folks up at Cornell feel like these PPBs are going to solve a bunch of our problems. Because what these robots are going to do is they're going to roll up and down the vineyard rows, and they've got cameras on board, and the cameras are going to be looking at every single vine. And apparently they have all kinds of scientific equipment that is going to evaluate the state of the vines. And the purpose, supposedly, is to help grape growers combat some really bad, nasty things that have been plaguing the industry for a long, long time. In particular, we're talking about powdery mildew and downy mildew and, you know, I guess a host of other things. But anyway, for the last 140 years, growers around the world have managed these problems using multiple applications of chemical fungicides. And I agree, you know, we don't need that. But I have talked about on this program so many times how the wine industry is really wrapping its arms around ways to naturally produce grapes without the help of fungicides. There's some really creative, clever things that are being done. And I think it was probably maybe six or seven years ago when I told a story of grape growers that were using bats. Yeah, bats, you know, Halloween bats, not baseball bats. And they were using these bats to fly into the vineyards and eat up the little nasty bugs that were causing problems. And there's just lots and lots of creative ways that grape growers are finding to solve a lot of the problems that have plagued the industry for a really, really long time. And those solutions, those solutions are not necessarily technological in nature. Now, it's not so much that they're trying to find a way to manage these problems. It's the next part of the story that really, really bugs me. Now, listen carefully to what I'm going to read to you. And this is right out of the mouths of the Cornell scientists. Listen carefully. They say the new Cornell project focuses on bringing, and this project is Vitis Gen's genetic and technological innovations into the vineyard by combining plant pathology, computer vision, artificial intelligence, and robotics. Here's the catch. This work is crucial for encouraging growers to embark on widespread plantings 
of new disease-resistant grape varieties made possible by Vitis Gen. Nearly all grape varieties grown today are highly susceptible to powdery mildew and downy mildew. Okay, you know, at first that sounds pretty good, but here's where it gets under my skin. When they say that they want to help growers embark upon widespread planting of new disease-resistant grape varieties, what they're basically saying is they're going to develop new varietals of grapes that will replace the ones that we love so much so that we don't have to worry about these little nasties that wreak havoc on the vines. And you know, in this entire press release, not once, not one time do they say anything about the quality of the wine. And this is where I just think we have to look at what we're doing and say, Wait a second, is the point to grow healthier vines that produce grapes that we may or may not love? Or is the point to produce grapes that we really, really love? What their press release doesn't say is that they're going to work toward making the varietals that we truly love that are a big part of wine history to make those varietals more resistant to these little nasties. It says new varietals. You know, I have to wonder what that means. Are they going to slowly move us away from the things that we truly love, the things that are, you know, such an important part of wine legacy? And, you know, suddenly, before we even know it, we're going to be drinking things that have been synthesized so that they resist bugs and mildew. And that, I don't think, is a particularly great thing. Because sometimes we work so hard to improve something that we kill it. I'll give you a really good example in just a second. It's one that really, really gets under my skin, but we gotta take a break. So I'm gonna take a break, I'm gonna take a cold shower, I'm gonna cool down, I'm gonna come back, we'll talk more about this, and then there's another technology story. How's that sound? Back with more Grape Encounters right after this. David will be back with more Grape Encounters right after they touch up his hair and makeup. Oh, wait, this is this is radio. Well, there's still paparazzi after the show to deal with. No. One of the top three reasons I love coming home to the U.S. for the holidays is that I get to lose myself in the mind-blowing selection of wines at Total Wine & More. Total Wine & More is the only place I'm aware of where you can check out thousands upon thousands of the world's best wines side by side, all for a fraction of what you might have to pay elsewhere. Plus, every time I visit Total Wine & More, I discover a new favorite. On my last visit, it was an astonishing Cabernet from Chile, priced about two-thirds less than you'd normally pay for a cab this amazing. And definitely buying more on my next visit, plus a case or two of great bottles to wow family and friends at holiday parties. And I know I'll be able to find awesome gifts for nearly everyone on my list that really pays to ask one of their expert guides for help. This holiday, you'll love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Curbside pickup and delivery where available. Drink responsibly. Be 21. The only thing that Mendocino County winemaker Greg Graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes. 
It's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga. Artisans like Greg don't count, they create. Did Da Vinci or Michelangelo take inventory? Let's just say that Italians like Greg can easily get carried away, especially when it comes to food and wine. Great wine is in Greg's DNA. His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s, and despite being the head honcho of the much-beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine cellar for Graziano wines, or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun with a Graziano at your table. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know there are more compounds in wine than in blood? Maybe vampires ought to rethink their drink. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by our friends at Total Wine and More. This holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine and More. With so many great bottles to choose from, it's easy to find a new favorite Cabernet or Chardonnay or the perfect gifts for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide. And all with the confidence of knowing you found something special for the lowest price. Love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. And drink responsibly, B21. All right, so let's get back to this subject of technology and the wine industry. And I got more stuff to share with you. I think a lot about how we have taken products, things that we create, things that we love, and we've improved them to death. A really good example, and I'll just sort of say this generically, is ranch dressing. Now, when I was a very young kid, I can still remember that my mother would buy these little packets of ranch dressing, but they came attached to this little, I guess you could call it a decanter. And then you also had to buy a carton of buttermilk, because that apparently is the secret to ranch dressing, though I've never attempted to make the stuff. And anyway, you would put the powder in, you put the buttermilk in, and you'd shake it up and... Yeah, it was absolutely delicious. But over the years, they have slowly changed the formulation of ranch dressing. And now everything in it is using, you know, completely different ingredients to try to attempt to get to the same result. And it honestly, it doesn't taste the same. And, you know, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I, I buy ranch dressing. I buy a couple of different brands and... It's delicious on almost everything. And yes, I do dip pizza into ranch dressing. Don't tell my friends here in Italy about that because I would be drawn and quartered. But the thing is, you know, how many things that you love, whether it's, you know, the burgers that you ate when you were a little kid at McDonald's or it's ranch dressing or it's something else, how many things have changed? And they're just not the same as what you remember. And that's because we try to make things more convenient. We try to make it cheaper to produce the product so somebody can make more profit on it. In the case of the story that I introduced in the first segment, they want to combat 
some truly nasty things that can plague vineyards all over the world. But where I really get distressed is that every story that I read about new technology to make wine better, to help the wine industry, doesn't necessarily make wine better. And they never, ever talk about the flavor or the things that we really care about where wine is concerned. It's never even part of the discussion. It's shocking to me that I could read an entire press release from the scientists at Cornell University, and they never say the result of what we're doing is going to be the best tasting wine you've ever had in your life. Because the reality is, is that the scientists that are working on this product, they maybe don't even drink wine. And this isn't a consideration. It's just, how do we keep the mold off of the vines? How do we improve the, the yield of the crops? How do we make a more resistant grape varietal? And who the heck cares if it's the Cabernet Sauvignon or the Merlot or the Malbec or, you know, whatever it is that we used to love? Who cares? Because the thing is, is that we don't have to worry about these other pesky things. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I have spoken to so many winemakers who tell me that they get a lot of joy out of playing the hand that's dealt to them. That, you know, every single year, there's probably something that they've got to address, something they've got to contend with, but that's half the fun of making the wine. I think a lot of the, the technological choices that are being made and a lot of the science that's going into this has a lot to do with bulk wines, wines that are produced in large quantities and that become part of just generic wines that are being foisted upon the public and we move farther and farther away from these beautiful handcrafted wines that people like you and I really, really love. So I don't want to just sit here and take pot shots at these scientists. But just the image of these R2-D2s that are running up and down the grape rows, they're collecting data and they're making decisions, and they are the the thing behind developing varietals that are resistant but are not necessarily producing delicious grapes, and that just kind of bugs me. You know, the other day I was out in the, one of the vineyards near my house here in Italy, and it was just so fun to watch the folks picking the grapes. And at one point this car drives up and there are these women that get out of the car and they start passing around espresso to all the people <laughs> that are working in the vineyard. And when they were through with that, they collected up all the little cups. And then they started picking grapes themselves. And there was you know, no piece of equipment that was running up and down the aisles and machine picking the grapes. And it was all so incredibly low tech. And if you go to a lot of these uh, wineries around here, most of them, as a matter of fact, everything's low tech. And guess what? The wines are absolutely delicious. And certainly, you know, I don't want to be the cause of somebody losing a crop because we didn't do everything we could possibly do to prevent crop damage. But really, I mean, when you, when you embark upon these projects, please make the quality of the wine 
the highest priority. It should be the number one priority, not just making resistant grapevines that may or may not produce good juice. You got it? That's all I'm saying. And if you look at how technological a lot of winemaking operations have become, it just doesn't even resemble what their forefathers and the forefathers of their forefathers did to make incredible wine. Now, I think it's fair to say that wine today is better than it's ever been. It really, truly is. And, you know, you could take a a, a cheap bottle of wine today that even is mass-produced, and it will outshine a lot of wines that we had 25, 30 years ago. That is the truth. But let's not go too far, and let's not forget that our first line of defense against nasties that can plague the vineyard ought to be natural solutions. And maybe, just maybe, we don't really need to have robots running up and down the aisles because that that might be great to have those robots running across the face of Mars, but I don't know, vineyards, not so sure. All right, I got another story to share with you that really is incredible. It's another technology story. But we're going to take a break, and uh, I'll be right back with more Grape Encounters. Did you know that some wines are just as delicious and desirable after 100 years as they were when they were young? Hmm, should, should I be seeing a winemaker instead of my doctor? Grape Encounters will return right after this. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Long before there was ever a Grape Encounters radio, I stopped into a Total Wine & More store and I went home with some of the best wines I'd ever tasted in my life. Now I just stop into Total Wine and I say, this is what I love, this is what I've got to spend, just surprise me. And they always do. Before you go home for the holidays, stop into your local Total Wine & More store. Not just for great bottles of wine, but for great gift ideas for everybody on your list. All for the lowest price. This holiday season, you'll love what you find at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery where available. And please, drink responsibly. Be 21. We are talking about wine and technology in kind of a broad sense. In the last story, I talked about these robots that are going up and down the vineyard aisles and, you know, making decisions and gathering data. And 
I don't know, it's just the visual image of that just kind of gets under my skin, right? But you know, I can see that there are probably certain benefits to it, but you're going to have to convince me. Well, this next story, uh, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be very hard for me not to go off, for me not to lose my cool completely, because it has to do with wine and a subject that got so under my skin many years ago that I ended up starting a business to go against the grain of what was bugging me so much. And what it was, was art. And I got so ticked off about a story that I saw in 60 Minutes that I opened an art gallery. Now, here's kind of the gist of it, okay? I'm watching 60 Minutes, and they're talking about art that is bringing top dollar. And it just was the craziest thing. Like one example was, uh, I guess somebody was walking past a demolition site, a construction site, and they saw an old urinal there attached to, you know, part of the building. And they asked, uh, can I have that urinal? And of course, they said, yes, of course. (laughs) What do you want with that? This person then proceeded to hang the urinal in an art gallery and sell it for tens of thousands of dollars. I kid you not. Another great example is a a guy that took a blank canvas. I kid you not. A blank canvas and sold it again for an outrageous price of tens of thousands of dollars. I think it was like $80,000. This is a really long time ago, by the way. And you know what he said about the art? He said it was the ultimate expression of minimalism. Oh! Turns out that next to my office up in Lake Arrowhead, California, there was a a community art gallery. It was a great little place, but they couldn't make ends meet. So they were going to close it down. And I said, you know what? Let me take this over and I'll put in a proper art gallery here and we can continue to show the community art as well. And I did that. And honestly, I sold art for 10 years, all because I was so mad about this story on 60 Minutes. I get that way sometimes. I just got to prove a point, right? But anyway, the thing that was true, I think, about all of the art that I sold in my art gallery was I knew about the art. I knew about the artists. I know that the work that I was displaying was really, really the product of hard work and great talent. So I felt good about the prices that we were charging. I don't think I ever sold anything for over $20,000, and that was only a few pieces, but most of the stuff was selling for, you know, between three, $400 usually, and maybe a couple of thousand dollars. But, you know, beautiful, big pieces, gorgeously framed. Anyway, that was my experience with art. So in my own little way, I did my part to return value back to art. And by the way, I was an art collector. I had some pretty nice pieces, so I knew a little bit about it. I knew a lot more about it when the adventure was over 10 years later. But anyway, I felt good about my experience as an art dealer. But, you know, we have returned to that place that I was at when I watched that episode of 60 Minutes and saw urinals and blank canvases selling for obscene amounts of money to people who bought into the idea that this was actually something of value. Well, today we're probably in a much worse place than that because of something called an NFT. 
And if you haven't heard of NFTs, let me just kind of give you a very cursory idea about what they are. It stands for non-fungible token, and it's all tied into the concept of blockchains. And if you don't know what blockchains are, think Bitcoin, think Ethereum. It's the idea that there is a record kept of something supposedly of value, and the record is replicated over hundreds, if not thousands of computers to protect the authenticity of the thing. And for the most part, it's mostly been centered around these different kinds of coins out there. And there's like thousands of them, right? But probably only a few that maybe, just maybe have some value. And I've tinkered, by the way, in these cryptocurrencies. And I've actually made some money along the way. It was pretty good money. And then I've, at this point, uh, over the past couple of years, lost a ton of money. So the verdict is out on this one for me. But anyway, back to NFTs. So what they're doing, whoever they are, is they're taking things that are one of a kinds. It could be a baseball card. It could be a piece of art. It could be anything that you can possibly imagine. And they are making them into NFTs, meaning that they've created a digital record of that thing to ensure its authenticity. Have I lost you yet? You know what? You can do some Googling after the show. But let's just kind of bring this to the world of wine, shall we? So there's been a lot of counterfeiting that's gone on in the wine industry. I've talked about it quite a bit here. And there's always the question as to whether or not that expensive bottle of wine really contains what the label says it contains. So I think the original idea of NFT wines was to take a bottle of wine and guarantee through this digital record that this one-of-a-kind bottle is what they say it is. And that, in you know, in theory, isn't a bad idea, except, except that the whole thing has been prostituted tremendously. Now, that's my opinion, by the way. And I don't want to get in any trouble here because, you know, you're grown adults and how you spend your money is up to you. And if you see value in something, that's fine. And in the world of wine, we are always questioning the value. Like, you know, how many times have you said, how in the world are they selling that bottle of wine for, you know, $2,000? I wouldn't pay $100 for it. The value of wine is very subjective. So what some enterprising people have done is to try to, in their mind, make the wine less subjective, the value of the wine, that is to say, by attaching art to the wine. And what I mean is that they are creating these one-of-a-kind pieces of art in the form of a wine label, wrap it around the bottle, and now you not only have a wine that is unique, and by the way, I should say kind of unique, because who knows how many bottles of that wine they made, but to make it that particular bottle 100% unique, we put this artwork on it, and voila, the value of the wine increases a lot. Now, how much are we talking in terms of a lot? Well, I'll tell you, it's a lot of a lot. It can be literally 
millions of dollars. I kid you not. And I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to just share with you. and You can judge for yourself whether or not you think it's something of value or you think it's poo-poo. But I'm going to share with you one very big example, a company that is producing, they're not even producing wines. They're producing art that becomes the label. And this is all the rage. And they're not the only company out there doing it. There's lots of people that are doing it, and they are raking in money like you can't possibly even imagine. And you know, if I wasn't a decent person, with my knowledge of marketing, with my knowledge of wine, with my knowledge of art, I probably would not be doing this radio show. Well, I love doing this, so I shouldn't say that. But I could be sitting on my own private island with the kind of money that I could rake in by taking advantage of something that, in my opinion, is really taking advantage of you know, decent, honest people who have bought into something that I think is really questionable. But again, and I'm going to come back and and give you a specific example. Again, it's not my place to say what is of value and what is not of value. Somebody once said to me that what determines the value of an object is what we're willing to pay for it, period. You know what? That's true. It's 100% true. So um, I'm going to take a break now. We're going to be back in just a second. I'm going to share with you the story of wines with monkeys on the label when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com, and you can find Graziano wines all over America, or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother, and uh, let's keep it that way. This holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from, it's easy to find a new favorite Cabernet or Chardonnay or the perfect gifts for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide. And all with the confidence of knowing you've found something special for the lowest price. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine and more. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Drink responsibly. B21. 
You know, 10 years ago, I had a daily radio program in Southern California, and it wasn't about wine, although I did have grape encounters as well, but my show in the afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. was just about anything I wanted to talk about, usually subjects that were drawn from the news. I said that I would never want to do that job again because it was a lot of work. And, you know, it turned out that it didn't matter what I talked about, I was going to tick off somebody for sure. But, you know, I woke up at three o'clock this morning and I was combing through the news and I found a lot of stories that really warranted me going off on a tirade. And this is one of them. This story about NFTs that specifically revolve around wines and the idea of an NFT that is just protecting the identity of a wine. Well, that's one thing. But then to create a piece of artwork and put it on the bottle and then to say that that artwork is making the wine worth thousands of times in many cases more than what's in the bottle just I don't know you know you're all grown adults and if you choose to spend money that way that is your choice if you see the value in it that is just fine but I'm gonna tell you that I really think the bottom's gonna fall out of this one and a lot of people who've invested their life savings into NFTs are gonna be holding a bottle of wine that not only has a cheesy piece of artwork wrapped around it but also is filled with crummy wine. I mean, truly, mark my word, okay? Mark my word. So let me tell you about one company, and I will not pass judgment. I'm just going to share information from their own website. The company is called The Board Wine Company, and they say on their homepage, welcome friends to The Board Wine Company. We are sourcing some of the world's best wines, bottling them and wrapping them with the world's most exclusive apes. Yeah, you heard me right. Apes. Now, this all revolves around a fictitious story that they've created that takes place in the future, in the year 2041. Here's what they said. I'm just going to read their copy, okay? It says it was 2041 and some apes have spent a decade hanging out in their comfortable yacht club nestled in the heart of the digital Everglades. Ape number 1839, known to his friends and many admirers as Dionysus, learned about the legend of the Genesis grape from an obscure message board, he pulled together a ragtag group company of adventurers who set sail embarking on the epic quest to find and restore this fabled vine. Our intrepid simian seafarers braved untold dangers and suffered unimaginable hardships, including patchy Wi-Fi, before finding themselves washed up on the shores of an undiscovered continent. And this is where our real story begins, for it was these mythical shores that witnessed the birth of the Bored Wine Company. And then, you know, the page is uh, covered with cartoonish illustrations of boats and monkeys. So now what they're doing is they are taking artwork of these monkeys. Each one has a unique name and identity. And each bottle of wine that the label containing the image of these monkeys 
Louise, uh, each bottle of wine has a number identifying this as a unique bottle. Okay, here's the story. So here's where it gets really interesting. They say that their NFT is a digital image backed by real physical wine stored in a bonded warehouse in London. And that the NFT is representative of one case comprised of six bottles of wine. They also say that you can also receive a physical bottle of wine with your purchase. Now, get this. They say that global shipping complications mean that this wine is not the same make or year as the wines we store on your behalf at our bonded warehouse because it will need to be shipped by a third party. Depending upon your global location and local shipping rules, it could take up to two months to arrive following the purchase of your NFT. But don't worry because they say that they will endeavor to ensure that it will be infinitely quaffable though and will strive to get it to you as quickly as possible. If my reading sounds choppy, it's because that's exactly the way it's written. Now, uh, get this. It says you will be able to acquire your stored wines from the warehouse in the future. It gets good. We are just working on the logistics and will update you as soon as we are clear on how to achieve this on a global scale. (laughs) They don't even know how they're going to send you the wine that they're selling you. Now, by the way, uh, the cost of those six bottles of wine, plus the one that has nothing to do with the six bottles in the case, the price is $666. Here's what they say. This cost covers the design, concept design, implementation, rendering, the wine, acquisition, bottling, labeling, capping, storage, and the time to process all of the above, create and implement on the blockchain. Now, obviously, this cartoon art must really be worth something because, boy, did they spend some time on it. They say that we will jump on creating the artwork for the NFT and bottles of wine, and then in parentheses, a few hours depending upon the number of requests. (laughs) The NFT will be minted on OpenSea, and the artwork for the labels will be sent to production alongside the bottling of your vintage of wine. When you've received your NFT, we will jump on sending out the physical bottle to your address of choice. (laughs) your address of choice. Now, I know you're asking, so what is the wine in the bottle? Well, here's what they say. The wine is produced by Chateau Le Fleur Bousséjour, Appalachian AOC Castilian Côte de Bordeaux. It's a red wine, a 2020. Optimum storage time is three to five years, so don't plan on aging this for very long. Now, here's the really fun part. The producer does produce some wines that are selling for, you know, a thousand plus dollars, but most of the wine that they're selling selling, you can go online and check this out for yourself. Most of the wine that they're selling is like for under $10 a bottle. Under $10 a bottle. Now, I don't know what's in these bottles because they're very vague about it, but you may have $60 worth of wine and then a cartoon image that they say takes just a couple of hours to produce and they don't know how to ship your wine to you and they will ship you one bottle of a wine that's not the same wine as what you paid for. Oh my gosh people. You know what? I'm going to end it there. I just don't have any more I can say about this at this point in time. It's just the craziest story. You be the judge, okay? Uh, Write me. Tell me why I'm wrong about this. Tell me why I shouldn't be upset about this. Would you please? David at GrapeEncounters.com That's going to do it for today. I gotta chill now, alright? I'll see you back here next week. Wasn't this fun? Bye-bye. One of the top three reasons I love coming home to the U.S. for the holidays is that I get to lose myself in the mind-blowing selection of wines at Total Wine & More. 
Total Wine & More is the only place I'm aware of where you can check out thousands upon thousands of the world's best wines side by side, all for a fraction of what you might have to pay elsewhere. Plus, every time I visit Total Wine & More, I discover a new favorite. On my last visit, it was an astonishing Cabernet from Chile, priced about two-thirds less than you'd normally pay for a cab this amazing. And definitely buying more on my next visit, plus a case or two of great bottles to wow family and friends at holiday parties. And I know I'll be able to find awesome gifts for nearly everyone on my list. It really pays to ask one of their expert guides for help. This holiday, you'll love what you find only at Total Wine & More curbside pickup and delivery where available. Drink responsibly. Be 21.